The views expressed in this podcast do not reflect the views of Cleveland State University, and my participation in this podcast is separate from my roles there as associate lecturer and director of the school psychology program. Further, this podcast is for educational use only and should not be considered professional advice. Welcome back, listeners, to the Hands Full Parenting Podcast. I am so excited to be here once again uh, to host the Hands Full Parenting Podcast. This is episode number 18. I'm here with the Julian Alvarez of parenting, Axel Balsadanzi. Que haces, Che? Che? That's one of the nicest things you've ever said to me. You know, thank you very much, my dear old Messi of parenting. Are, now, are, are you a little bit hurt, though, that I didn't say Messi because Julian Alvarez is, is kind of, I mean, he's not the younger Messi, but he's really a star in this whole thing, too, right? Yes, he is, but it's not at the same level, not yet. He's a great player, but still one of many great players, but he's not unique. He not, he's not this thing. So, no, it's good for my ego. If you had said Messi, you know, you can't compare yourself to to someone that is out of this planet. Understandable. So Axel, uh, it's a big day or it was a big day yesterday, probably still a big day today for Argentina. And if you don't already know what we've been talking about, we're talking about World Cup soccer. Now this week's episode, we're going to seg from our previous two episodes all about demystifying Montessori to talk about the last minute Montessori gifts. I don't know if it's this way in Uruguay, Axel, but here... Everybody's looking at the Amazon countdown to like, oh, you can get your gift on this day and it will still come by Christmas, you know, because the era of like actually going out to shop for toys or whatever you're getting people. I mean, that's it's not over, but people are doing it a lot less than they used to. But in any case, these things that we're going to talk about in this episode today, I think that you can find most of them on Amazon, but you can also find them um at Walmart, Target, or Barnes and Nobles, online or otherwise. So we're going to start with, um, and and I'm going to warn folks. Some of these are very granola-y, and by that uh, I mean kind of you know sort of like oh who would ever do that? Only only people who live out in the woods with their children would do something like that. Well, okay, I'm going to mention this. I'm going to go there because I think these things are really cool. I've had a number of these experiences with my kids, so I'm going to put it out there. So number one, uh, a kid's guide to foraging and an actual experience foraging with a, a an experienced guide. So like one thing that I have realized is that my kids really like foraging for food out in the wild. And the thing that we have done this past fall is we have collected a lot of nuts. We've collected acorns, uh, white oak acorns, red oak acorns. Um, we've collected hickory nuts, we've collected buckeyes. Uh, so most of these things need to be processed before they can be eaten. You have to leach out the tannins, uh, and of, of all those things. And the buckeyes are the most toxic. Uh, so you have to be really careful with those, but the acorns, there are a number of native American civilizations that have survived, uh, off of acorns during the winters, using them as their main carbohydrate source. So once I learned that, I was like, oh, why are we not eating acorns? Well, I learned once I tried an acorn, um, without processing it. and you could, you could do this, but if you eat too many of them, you could really hurt yourself because there are a lot of tannins in them. It may be like the most bitter thing you actually eat, but the tannins in these acorns are what preserve the acorns long-term. So why, an animal can go, you know, collect a lot of acorns and store them all winter long and they don't go bad, right? They don't rot because of all the tannins in them and the animals can handle these tannins. So anyway, my kids and I have sat for a number of afternoons and sometimes mornings, depending on what we're doing at the park, just gathering acorns and buckeyes and hickory nuts and then uh, coming home and cracking them open together and then, you know, processing them by boiling them in water and leaching out all the tannins and smelling the water that's really bitter and tannin rich and trying the acorns to see, you know, whether or not they're ready. And I can't say that my kids really like all these nuts, but they have a lot of fun 
gathering them uh, and and uh, and and putting them together. So I, I think it's just a neat thing and a very sort of life affirming, natural thing for kids to to go out in nature and to see things on the ground or in the trees that they can eat and to learn about them and to learn how to how to process them. Uh, and probably not something you know they'll ever need in their life, but a neat thing nevertheless. I think that's a wonderful gift. First, this is something that we should, uh, I mean, uh, extract some principle here. As you said, it's not only for a crazy person that is going to do these things in the forest. It's also for a parent that is willing to invest some energy. And you you do have to invest a lot of energy before you can let them out and do some foraging on themselves without hurting themselves. Um, but but it, it it will be true of any Montessori gift that if you're going, this this is never going to be a quick fix, right? It's if you get them a drone, then no problem. Just throw the box at them and just leave them to fly, and it will be easy. And it's great. We're not saying that shouldn't be a gift, but this is not that type of gift. So, uh, but yes, it will involve you being along with them. And let's say that's probably the most interesting part of it. Yeah, I think that uh, there's definitely an interaction component that is is necessary there. And uh, if you like that, all the better. And I'm really into it. So, and and maybe I'm kind of like a, a kid at heart. Um, I, you know, my, I saw another student, a former student the other day, I was at the trampoline park with the kid and I like to bounce around all the time on the trampolines. And and so my former student came with his kid and we were bouncing around on trampolines talking. And I was like, this is really weird. I guess he's, he's probably never seen his former teacher, like bouncing around on a trampoline with him. But, but yeah, I, I think that if, if you can uh, get in touch with your inner child, you can really enjoy these these sorts of of things. Uh, it's the sort of thing that I I probably would have enjoyed as a kid as well. Yeah. So um, we're going to move on to our next one, which is a microscope. And Axel, I saw you doing this with your students the other day, which I thought was so cool. You, uh, I'll let you actually talk about this. I'm not going to describe it. So um, how did you microscope, and why do you think this could be uh, a good gift for kids for Christmas? Well, um, of course, the other principle that we need to emphasize here is that what we're looking with with Montessori gifts would be to enhance this relationship with reality and with nature, especially. And this could go, it could be a microscope. I know Americans are big fans of telescopes, right? Yeah, we like uh, telescopes. Like something I usually see in movies that kids have at home i don't know if it's just part of the hollywood myth but i assume every kid has in his bedroom a, a little micro <laughs> it's it's actually a, like if you go to costco right now there's a nice telescope and i'm sure these expensive telescopes get bought frequently and are very infrequently used uh, yes. but but yes we had one at one time and, and i had learned how to use one in in college uh to look at like mars and and venus and and saturn and to look look at the rings and the big red spot and so so yeah i mean that there is a lot of that in the us yeah but uh, but there is a uh, um now i've seen a little version of a microscope because the the one i use at school is is good for kids uh eight nine maybe 9, 10, 11 years old, right? A, a general telescope, because it requires some patience and, and also to understand how to create a sample, either if you're going to see some water or if you're going to see a drop of blood or, or, or part of an animal, because many times it doesn't work and it can be frustrating. And when you, when you buy the slices, it's interesting, but not quite as much. When, when the slices are ready-made and you say, oh, now we're going to see this, like, okay, what's the difference of, looking at a picture right but when you so uh, one of the things is you, you got to take the sample yourself and going out for the sample is part of the of the adventure and a part of the gift the microscope is just maybe an excuse or an important finale for it but uh so if you're if you're if you're giving yourself your son a microscope then make sure you have something prepared in order to what we're going to do with it so it, it needs to include these activities as you were describing. Okay, let's go to the pond or to the river and see a drop of water, or let's, uh, I don't know, let's see if we can get a sample of a, or a, a part of an insect and look at it at a, like a, um, the wing of a fly or something like that and, and take a look at it. it. It needs to include that. But once you get the, the that going, then kids can be very creative and do it on themselves. Uh, 
at school, of course, we had the part of looking at atlases or of uh, guides of what we are seeing, for example, with organisms of uh, in sweet water. Uh, you don't say freshwater microorganisms. Mm -hmm guides so you can identify that's fun too but um i think it can be done in a simpler way at home but uh you gotta have the ideas of what you're gonna propose your kid to look at because otherwise they will be frustrated yeah i mean you took pond samples and you were looking at like single-celled organisms in there like amoebas or protozoas it was fantastic that was really fun it took us a while to to, to see them when we found them we were like oh my god What's this guy doing over there? It was really, really good. Yeah, I mean, so it, it opens up, I think, uh, uh, other topics like to say, okay, once we you know find something, then we can figure out what it is and then learn more about it, which is just like, okay, this, we have this fun adventure of going to find this thing. Then we have the adventure of looking at it and actually, you know, you know finding this microscopic organism. Then- yeah. That leads to the teaching aspect of let's figure out what this is and learn more about it. And also let's not undermine magnifying glasses because a very good magnifying glass uh, can provide a lot of wonder also, a lot of amazement to a child because things are different. If you have a good quality magnifying glass, that could really help. And uh, and also they, they, they sell now, I've seen some this optic microscopic uh, devices that are you you plug into a, a phone or a computer and you don't need you can look at surfaces without creating a sample i haven't tried them myself but i think this could be another interesting thing because you can take them around so you go with a with a phone and this thing plugged in and you just point at an insect or a leaf or something without needing to cut things and bring them back and they could now i think that's a good marriage of technology and and uh, a Montessori gift. Like, yeah, we have one of those. It, it's like, it takes this digital image of whatever the kid wants to look at without having to like put it under a microscope. They can just get down and point it and focus it at anything. And what my kids do more than anything else is just look at things like the carpet or their seatbelt fabric or any sort of fabric to look at the different fibers that are actually woven together to create that fabric, which they think is absolutely fascinating. And again, it opens up that new world. You know, it, it shows them that what they see through their eyes is, is you know, actually different than what it can be seen at, at a much uh, closer uh, proximity, you know, and, and, and when something is magnified. So there's almost a different world, you know, that they're exploring. And think what they're realizing is that these different, you know, fabrics uh, make up this, uh, the, the, the different things like, like their carpets or, you know, whatever. Uh, their clothes uh, and and uh, the the nylon that is used for seat belts and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, so let's go to our next one. Great. Um, so the next one, and I'm not sure how Montessori this is, but there's a lot of pretend play that I think this opens up and facilitates for kids. Uh, and for some reason, they love it. It's a mud kitchen. I don't know where you can buy a mud kitchen necessarily. I think you could get like them on like. Etsy? Are you familiar with Etsy? Do they have that there? Etsy, no, Etsy, Argentina. It's like yeah. like these artists or individual craftspeople create you know items to sell, all sorts of items. But these mud kitchens, and you could probably get them at Walmart, are basically these these like outdoor kitchens, uh, and they don't have an oven, and they don't have a stovetop or anything, but they have simulated, and they have lots of like tools and whatnot. And so kids will just, you know, take mud and water and grass and mix it together and be like, oh, we're making this stew and we've got to get the dandelions and we've got to get, you know, the chives and put it in and let's go get some of those mulberries. And and I've seen them do this. I mean, just for hours um, going out and searching for things that they can put together in a pot and mix them around and create their stews and then put them in little cups and serve them to people. And have you seen this, Absolutely. Axel? Yes, yes, we, we, we've done that, but I'm telling you, this is a very, this could be a very low cost gift. You don't need yeah. to go to, um, you need to go into Etsy. The way we did it here was Dana just uh, looked for all the things she could find, old things that were tiny, uh, that were around the house and other people's houses and created a big Tupperware <laughs> of a big box of full of little um, uh pins and, and cups and all sort of kitchen things, but they were all real. So so you can go to a 
uh, to a garage sale, which again, as I understand, it's a very common uh, tradition in the US. <laughs> very, at least in movies, you see that they have garage sales all the time. Uh, but not so common here in Argentina or in Uruguay to have a garage sale. But um, so and go there and buy some used stuff. Those are the most, that come alive more easily for a child. And if you can't, then go to Walmart, who is sponsoring us uh, right now. <laughs> <laughs> go to Walmart and get some, a, a good variety of, of real kitchen utensils and put them together. And there you have your gift. You don't need anything else. And just, this one is low dad in, uh, or mom in, input. You, you don't need to do much about it. You just give them the box, some water and freedom. Say, okay, go ahead. And uh, if, if the kids are two or more, they're probably going to start building magical potions. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think one of the things that is being done here is the kids watch us, at least me. I know kids watch me in the kitchen all the time, doing a ton of work, preparing food for the family and setting out dishes and putting this and that together. And occasionally I let them help, but I've got a gas stovetop and that's a little scary for kids to be messing with a gas stovetop. So, you know, I have to shoo them away a little bit for their own safety. So I think this gives them the opportunity to do whatever they want. They get to, you know, simulate them being in charge and them putting food together. Uh, And then there's also that pretend play aspect where you've got one thing that really is representing another. You've got one abstract item that is representing a gourmet food or something like that, uh, or, you know, and an, a fake oven that's representing another, something like that. So that's an important process for kids to undergo learning uh, to relate an abstract thing to, to a, a real thing um, so that they can develop their imagination and develop their ability to uh, apply um you know, something that's abstract to something that, that's real. I think it's like the basis of, of reading. When you think about it, you've got these abstract symbols that are related to sounds that we use in everyday language and, and uh, to, to read words and text. Uh, it's, yeah. you know, kind of the basis of algebra, you know, if, if you think about it as well. Definitely. And I think what, 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 what's good about this gift is that we are proposing to engage kids onto some, with something that is not entertaining or entertaining them out of the reality, but engaging them in growing up and development and developing themselves, uh, developing new skills. And that's how they're going to get the entertainment uh, they are looking for. So not just empty entertainment, but self-growth entertainment. <laughs> Let's call it like that. And uh, which is learning really and growing. But if, if you allow me, the Mud Kitchen could have a stage two for parents who are saying, okay, I'm ready for the next level. Well, I, I got this covered now, one thing, which would be a real little kitchen. Now, because this, this, I have this in mind, we're going to do this show. And, and now that you mention it, kids actually love to work with real stuff. So if you there, you can, you can prepare a space and you, this could be part of the gift, right? You can prepare a space in your kitchen, like for example, a small counter reduced in height and say, this is your counter. You could you could have this done. This will not be so easy to get for, for Christmas, but it could be the place where you can add other Christmas presents. And so if you, if you give your child a little table for himself, say, this is your table and these are your utensils and you give him, uh, how do you call this rolling thing for the dough? How do you call that? Uh, <laughs> massage- yeah, you, I know what you're talking about. Dough roller, okay. yeah. Okay, the roller, and you give them some flour for them. And the gift, in, in, in the, they open the package, you can have a, a pack of flour, a pack of yeast, uh, things to cook, to actually cook. They can make noodles. There, there are little machines, real machines for real cooking, to make noodles, to make all sorts of th- stuff. And if your kid is probably seven, eight years old and older, he can handle fire. He can handle electrical appliances. I know this might sound crazy, but... Our grandmothers used to cook when they were seven and they didn't burn the house down. And uh, so it could be a nice part of, of, of your training to buy, maybe, you know, buy a small independent electric, um, uh, how do you call them? The burner. Burner, yes. Mm-hmm. And teach them how to use it. Of course, yeah, no, that... can put some rules and say, okay, you're going to use it when I am in the kitchen or whatever, but uh, you teach them to boil water. 
so you can make some eggs, right? Yeah. Well, that's that's a great idea. You know, it's something I've thought a lot about because Emerson loves to cook, but like putting something in our unfinished basement, like a countertop that was was low enough for her to walk on. And then I don't know if you've seen these, but they have things called induction burners. These burners, oh, that yes. like if you, if you put your hand on them, they're not hot at all. They use yeah. this induction technology um, such that, you know, that's it's a bit safer. And I was like, oh, well, maybe we could get some of those or one of those for Emerson to work with and maybe like a, a toast oven or something like that, just some lower risk items and then a bunch of different ingredients for her to play with. And yeah, of course she's going to make mistakes and mess things up, but that's how you learn, right? If you don't have a chance, you, you know, to, to make really terrible pizza, then you don't figure out how to make better pizza. Right. Um, and and I, now they do make real house appliances for children to to use like small ovens and so on and and if you if you get them i mean i think a little bit of risk is really part of the engagement yeah yeah i completely so, agree i give a child a box of matches <laughs> <laughs> and allow him to use them and he will be like whoa but you can set some rules okay yeah you can burn you can burn them here and be careful and you give him some some safety guidelines and then allow him to do it and he'll be more engaged than with, with a playstation because it's dangerous and we yeah. are trained, we are evolutionary designed to be alert when there's danger around, a knife, yeah. a fire, whatever. So, yeah. When I, when I was a kid, um, my uh, Italian immigrant friend, um, Mike, he had a house and like the upstairs was really nice and the, the kitchen was beautiful. Like it looked like, uh, I don't know, Ina Garden's, you know, kitchen on, on a TV show. And the thing was, the family did not use the upstairs kitchen. It was all for show. It was all decorative. They had a kitchen in the unfinished basement that they used. They had a stovetop and they had an oven and they had like this little table to work on. That's where they did all their cooking. And they had like, you know, their own sausage hanging down there. And um, so, so like everything upstairs was decorative and just for looks. So we were allowed to go downstairs and do whatever we wanted. And that was a lot of what we did in the wintertime because in the summer we were out, you know, working at a country club, carrying golf bags for people. But in the winter we were experimenting and exploring. That's how I learned to do uh, a lot of the cooking that, that I know uh, I now use as a sort of foundation for the way I feed my family. So something like that. Yeah. I mean, we, we never really hurt ourselves doing that. We were slightly older, I think, than the kids that we're talking about, but I think you got to learn somehow uh, like you mentioned, there's there's a history of kids being able to cook from young ages and use these appliances, and uh, you know, putting putting something in, in your basement is is maybe not a bad idea, and and it could lead to some pretty wholesome activity. Yes, we we've changed so hard, so so uh, radically in our use or or uh, allowance of risk in child child play. I, every now and then, I, I bump into this actual. A box that was sold in the U.S. in the 1950s, briefly, it was like one a year. That it contained uh, nuclear uh, material. Have you seen it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so these people didn't care at all about child safety. They were just giving radioactive material to children to play okay. with. Now, mm -hmm. now we want them to handle a knife because in case they, they might cut their their fingers off. So, well, yeah, we get like. Special plastic knives with blunt ends, and yeah, all the and, and gloves actually. They sort of special gloves that kids like just saw at their finger, and nothing would happen. So, all right, well, moving on to something still food related is a garden plot your own, your kid's own garden plot. Uh, kids love gardening, you know. Interestingly, when you're reading a book about gardening, it says one of the things that you need to do with your garden is to make sure you have some sort of you know fence or protection from dogs and kids. They they list kids as like some sort of menace, you know, alongside you know uh, dogs or or bears or something else is going to ravage your garden, and it's true. If you let kids in a nice garden, they can you know like they'll go right in the middle of it and step on you know your your prized zucchini and uh, flowers and whatnot. But if you give kids their own garden plot, I think they can experiment themselves. They love planting seeds. They love seeing things come up. They love watering. I don't know what's so exciting about watering, but this whole process and, uh, you know, as a Montessori teacher, I'm sure it could be used as the basis of um, a lesson about uh, plant life and photosynthesis and all the other concepts that are, are related um, to that. But yeah. uh, I think it's something that the kids just 
instinctively love to do is is growing and taking care of food and and picking it and um and then you know in some cases it could be used as the basis of teaching them where food comes from uh and what good fresh food tastes like you know and uh but even the previous steps, even if they don't get to eating the food, I think of, of, of learning to raise um, vegetables and, and fruits and whatever else you're growing is, is really cool for kids. Yes. And I got to tell you, tools that are real, but are child size is, is a key here. So we, we need to try. And so if you find garden tools, their size, and you give that as a present, that's fantastic. You put a bunch of seeds together. That's fantastic. Of course, this will require you to be next to them because it's not something you can do entirely on your own. But after you just get them started, you can just let them experiment. And maybe they, they'll get better at it than you are. And of course, also assigning a part of the garden for them. So this yeah. is your plan, right? Yeah, giving them their own square, you know, and they're going to want to do it themselves. A lot of these kids, like once you show them, you're like, yeah, I got it. You dig the hole, you put the seed in it, you water it, you know? And it's going to be a mess. Their own plot will be, but things will grow and maybe some really cool, you know, big vegetables. You'll give them some easy to grow things that are, that give you a lot of value in return. You know, you grow a zucchini plant and potentially you're going to get a ton of gigantic zucchinis from that thing. And your kids are not going to want to eat them, but it's going to be a cool plant and it's going to go through lots of phases. You know, it's going to turn into a, like this giant viney mammothy thing uh, with, with really cool flowers that are edible, you know, and you could show them, Oh, look, you can eat this, you know, uh, this, this squash flower, this beautiful squash flower. Uh, yes. and, and then the giant zucchini after that, they can hold in their hands and, you know, do whatever they want with and give, go give to, you know, a uh, friend's parent or something like that. Yeah. My daughter got a strawberry plant for her birthday, for her last birthday. So she, she planted it. And now we are seeing that the strawberries, uh, to life and when she gets them before the ants do or the there are some lizards that go and eat them and so they are in a struggle waiting for the perfect time and but the, the lizards are also waiting for the perfect time so some of them they just see them for days and then just disappear it's a, quite a disappointment mm. but when they get one or two of those strawberries it's completely magical oh and, yeah uh, the, the little brother is also very interested all the time and so he's always planting new seeds to see what he can get he loves watermelons. He just is passionate about watermelons. So every time we see, we can plant these. Like <laughs> we bought a watermelon and we got thousands of potential watermelons for free. We can plant them. So, so we, we've been planting watermelons too. And yeah, it becomes something really engaging and interesting for them. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. My, my kids love it. And the other thing is, even if things don't grow in their garden, other things are going to grow in there, like things that are forageable that they can learn about and be like, Oh, look at this plant. Did you grow that? But wait a second, you can actually eat that one. Like there's something that grows in a lot of gardens called lamb's quarters. Uh, and there's another called amaranth. These are just really things that pop up in gardens for whatever reason that are all edible too. You know, so it's neat that like we, these weeds that we get so angry about uh, that grow in our garden that, that we pull out in most, most cases they can be eaten too. So that can be used as an, an educational experience. Yes. So um, next one is an insect home or a cage. So like this could be like a little plastic cage. This could be a glass cage. This could be, uh, I, I think it should be maybe like um, some sort of netting or maybe not netting, but like um, a wire, you know, that that, that goes over, um, you, you know, like a little cage that, that's completely sealed so that the insect can't get out while you want it to stay in, but so that the kids can look at it while they're in there. So you know, catching things and putting in them in there to examine is pretty cool. And maybe keeping them for a night and, and figuring out what the grasshopper eats, you know, and putting some in there and, um, you know, just making sure that you release it uh, so that it doesn't die. Or even, you know, like taking in a, a toad or a little frog for a night and figuring out what it eats and, and giving it that, uh, give, giving that to them for, for that evening and, and watching them eat. I think is a, a really cool thing for kids to see. When we first moved into this house, uh, on the side of the house, we saw this giant praying mantis. And none of us was intrepid enough to actually go trap the, the praying mantis. But now I think if I was like, that would have been so cool to have this giant praying mantis in, in one of our insect homes. But we've got a plastic one that has like a lid that you can 
um, put over top of it and then open it up to like put in your food and then, you know, recover it quickly. And then we've also got one of those wire ones that I was, you know, trying to describe uh, as well that I think is is nice because it makes sure that there's plenty of air getting uh, to the the insect or, or the creature. But my kids love this, especially, in, you know, in the spring and early summer when a lot of these creatures are all, are all over the place, just finding them and and learning what they eat and and gathering up, you know, some food for them and you know, watching them until they, till they go to sleep. So really cool activity and uh, basis for, for learning as well. Yes, yes, I, I agree with that. This all goes in the same line with, with developing an interesting, an interest in nature. This is uh, on the same category as a, the microscope or the magnifying glass. Yes, I, I totally agree with this. And there are a number of things. I, I, I know that the ant farm is also a very popular thing. Mm. Uh, need to watch hard. what's that again very hard to get here those pre-made things that do I've, I've tried but i haven't been able to to find here in europe it's not a very popular here, thing here but i've seen it on amazon and i think in the u.s is much more popular and i just find them amazing fascinating yeah yeah i've not looked for them it, it, i i'm not sure how difficult they are to come by here but have seen them around now, as you kind of alluded to, a lot of what we've already mentioned are things that I think enrich the experience of everyday living and going outside, spending time in nature, going for a walk. Like if you learn about different plants that you can forage, you're also learning about different plants and, and trees and fruits and nuts, and you're looking all over for them. And all of a sudden, you're not just like stuck in your own head as you're walking because everything is familiar. You're realizing that there's more to it. And that you can identify these things that are delicious uh, and are going to have like, you know, two weeks where this mulberry tree is filled with amazing mulberries uh, and you're looking for those trees and, 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 you know, you see it one day and that's a really exciting event. Like my kids love mulberries and um, I didn't even know about them. And it turned out our previous house had this giant mulberry tree that for three weeks during the year was loaded with mulberries. And we would get up there on the ladder and I would hold the ladder for them and they would just pick and gorge themselves on mulberries and, until, you know, they've eaten all the ripe ones. But you find those in the wild here uh, all the time in, in, in the spring and early summer. And, and it's just exciting to be walking along and find this giant, bountiful mulberry tree or a, a tree or a wild plum tree or something like that. Yes, yes. Uh, I completely agree with you. Can I add uh, another one to the list? Yeah. Uh, because... Uh, in line with the smoke, the mud kitchen, another thing that you can do, and it's also um, cheap and easy to get. You don't need to go to Amazon. And now this is the, the segment that was sponsored by Costco. Uh, is that, <laughs> that you go there and you buy, for example, a, a small um, toolbox. And you may put a couple of items inside, like a small uh, hammer and some nails and buy some pieces of wood and uh, get an old table from a um, garage sale. And uh, in some part of the garage or whatever, you say, okay, this is your carpentry uh, space, but you are free to nail uh, the nails with the hammer uh, as long as we are, maybe to cut them, this depends on the age, right? Now this toolbox may grow. This could be part of a, if you have a, um, a chart where the, the kid gets a start every now and then when then you get up you can buy a screwdriver you can you can build up and 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 start and, and so the kid has his own set of tools instead of going for your the, the family general set of tools that usually is off limits because it contains many things that are I mean you don't want to get lost or you you don't want the child to manage so you 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 start teaching and giving him or her the, the possibility of having their own tool so if something breaks they can try to fix it. And kids love that. And that's like infinite because if you get them, I mean, you, you need to provide also the wood or, or the material for them to cut on and to experiment on. But uh, with a little guidance, kids can be very, very creative with that. Yeah. And I would say this, uh, this as a principle, if you're a, a father, the, the easiest thing will be to, to take a look at what you do in general Maybe you take care of your car. So get your son his own set of tools for cleaning the car. 
So you have your, your set of tools, get him his. These are tools that he can mess with, that he can lose them. Yeah, there won't be a problem. There won't be stress. So when you're cleaning the car, he can take care of a little part of it with his own set of tools. To have your own set of tools on whatever you do is uh, is a, a, an incredible amount of, of, of joy and pride for a kid. So I would, that would be like a general rule for anyone trying to give his kid a, a Montessori um, present. What, what is it manual that you do and that you can give your child the, the chance to replicate your own activity with his own child-sized tools? And yeah. maybe you like knitting, maybe you like cooking, as we said, cleaning, fixing the car. Uh, well, we, we talked about gardening. What else can we talk about? I don't know. Um, well, I, I would just want to talk about, I think this is a fantastic idea, giving children tools, especially if they show an interest in them. Henry always is asking you about where my tools are, wants to get in there, wants to use them. You know, my brother, uh, when he had three young boys, they're now older, but he in like the main sort of family room put this large workbench for the kids, had hammers and nails and screws and saws and from afar, you know, my brother lives in Sweden. We were all watching. We we're like, they're going to cut their hands off. They're going to take a hammer and beat on each other. You know, they never did. They're all, no. you know, like they've all made it unbrain damaged to, you know, young adulthood at this point. And so it worked. I remember when I was over there, the kids would be like pounding on, you know, wood and, and, you know, sawing away. And I was like, well, this is very interesting. This is, you know, we would not do this in the United States, but now I'm like, oh, Henry would love that. I think just starting, you know, small with a toolbox with a couple tools and some, um, you know, screws and and uh, nails, things things that they can um, use the, the the tools with is is a smart idea, and and that would also help them to develop their fine motor skills and and develop their use of and, and interest in those tools themselves so that they can become more proficient and and independent. So and I, I love that one. And actually that's something that I'm thinking about doing in, in my own house. And like go along with going along with that. I think it's nice to have an unfinished space in your house, um, especially when the weather is bad, to be able to do these things. Like I don't want to finish our basement because where are the kids going to do all the the crazy things that they want to do if we've got you know all finished parts of our house like emerson right now is really into art and she's drawing or actually painting uh murals all over our wall in our unfinished basement which is nice because you're like oh well it doesn't matter it's unfinished you know like we want to just paint right over it and it's no big deal and and you know to have a space to cook to have space to play with tools down uh you know in our basement is is a really cool opportunity that we didn't have in our previous home Yes, 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 I understand completely. And this is also a problem of prosperity because when I was a child, my house was in construction for many years. And I know that's the story of many of my, my friends and that, I, you, you know, people didn't have, my parents didn't have the money to do it all at once or to buy it all made. So they bought an old house and we moved in and then they, this year they had money to make a new living room. So they, they, they and people would come in to work and I would just watch. I would just, that's how I developed my love for, for construction, just watching the, 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 the men coming to work and building a wall and turning it down. And then the next year, my mother said, oh, okay. My mother is an architect, so, so she was always the one in, in charge of the renovation. Said, today we were going to do the kitchen. And uh, so they would come and they renovate the kitchen and we'd go and buy. And so I was so fascinated by all that. But nowadays... I mean, when you get the money, you pay for all of it and then you move in. So you go on vacation, you come back to a new house. You miss all these things. And, and all that created the spaces where there were piles of sand and piles of, of uh, Portland. Is that how you call it? The cemento, the, the, the powder where you, they use to, to, <laughs> for the oh, mortar. Yeah, mortar, yeah. Mortar, mortar. We call it Portland here in, in okay. Uruguay. And the cement. In, in, in Spanish, and uh, so there were pies. You could, could make magic potions, and they would get hard. You know, <laughs> they would. You could make small statues, and they would be there. So it was also real, and uh, and yes, in, in an underdeveloped country like Argentina, most houses have an unfinished part. It's it's, it's the way we live, right? But I can I can imagine from what you're telling me that that's something that if you're lucky in the U.S., you don't. Everything is perfect. Don't exactly. The, and, so no, there, there's a, there was always a back 
uh, tool shed or place like that where you can mess around and nobody cares. And that's really important. So it's a very good idea not to finish that basement until your kids are able. <laughs> or maybe just keep it for the grandchildren. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, totally. Um, so m- my number one uh, Montessori-inspired gift is a net or you know nets if you have multiple kids because each one is going to need them. And one of the things my kids love to do in the spring, early summer, actually all throughout the year is, is to use their nets in streams, um, ponds, wherever to, to catch little minnows, to catch tadpoles. Um, sometimes they just throw their nets um, in the mud and they, they pull out a just giant pile of mud uh, and um, like look to see what's in it. And lots of times they're like these uh, freshwater snails and um all men like salamanders, all manner of sort of things that they find when nature is just coming alive, you know, in the spring and, and early summer. So what they do um, from this point is they they take whatever they found and they put it in a bucket. And once the water settles and all of the you know debris uh, goes down to the bottom, and they see all that they found, and it's just this little ecosystem that they've created that they can check out and and add to and. My kids literally spend hours a day doing this, um, and it's it's one of the sort of my joyous times uh, in you know when I'm watching them play. It's just to sit and watch them have fun and and get so excited about interacting with nature. And of course, at the end of the evening, they throw everything back in the in the river. Um, no harm done. But mm-hmm. uh, that's I think that the number one thing that my kids like to do in the summers. And I think there are different sizes of nets and different strengths and in different purposes. You can also use nets for going after um, like uh, butterflies or moths or, um, you know, uh, ladybugs, um, any sort of insect that they want to check out or um, what are they called? Uh, Fireflies as well. You know, once July hits, you can do that too. But nets just to, just to grab things, maybe, capture them for a little bit to check them out and and release later you know i'm, I'm thinking this is wonderful I'm, I think i'm gonna get a net pretty soon because i have my my children going to the uh, little pond we have nearby and they just use jars to get things but the, the net is a really a no-brainer i should have get something like that sooner um but uh, you know what i'm thinking now I'm, I'm i'm a little bit afraid someone's listening to us and lives in an apartment building in new york and it's like oh yeah what should I do with nature? You know, go to Central Park. Is that all? Like um, Central Park is a big deal. Have you have you been in New York City? I've been, I've been, I've been. Yes, but I'm thinking someone living in Buenos Aires, for example, or, or uh, where where parks are not so big, or maybe downtown Chicago. I don't know really how which city. But if we go out of, of, of nature, which is great, I think we've covered it. I was trying to to think of an alternative. But for example, in Buenos Aires, if there here in Buenos Aires we have some cards. That, that are used for the subway system, right? So you load them with money and you can go wherever you want. So I imagine even your, uh, of course, it should be maybe eight-year-old kid, one of those cards as a gift and a subway map. Now, if you live near, near a subway, okay, so where do you want to go? And the gift is the ability to go and to make that trip and he will command it and we can just, you know, get lost in the subway or not. Sunday morning. And uh, this could be applied to buses or trains or whatever. Kids love to discover that. It's part of the independence aspect. And there are things that can be done in the city. So think about what you do in a city and uh, that, that it's part of your everyday life and give that opportunity to the child. Um, that, that could be another thing. No, that's a great idea. You know, um, I didn't even think about that one, but Henry and I took a train ride on a Sunday and uh, Emerson and, and Sarah, uh, got called away to go do something else, but it was just Henry and me. And, and my phone was like at 5% energy. And so I couldn't use it at all. And, um, you, you know, I thought Henry just wanted to go a couple stops up on this train to, um, this, this little city where, you know, we could explore the farmer's market and, and, um, something else, but he was like, no, I want to keep going. So I was like, at first I was like, no, we got to stop here. He's like, no, I want to keep going. I was like, oh, what's the harm? So we took the train to the end of the road, to be to like the final stop. I had no idea where we were going to stop. I knew that eventually the train would turn around and then we would get back on it and, and go back home. I wasn't sure exactly sure how long it would take, but I was like, it's Sunday. We got nothing better to do. Uh, you, you know, let's just ride the train, see what happens. And so we did. 
And Henry realized he was like, I'm in control. And he just sat there and like, I don't know, fooled around on the seat and explored underneath it for a while, looked out the window. And I just chilled, you know, read a book for a little bit to him, um, you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory by Roald Dahl. And and we made it to the final stop and we we had no idea we were going to make it to this place. And it turns out it, it was a place we had been to, to um, before where a friend's bike shop was, bicycle shop was. Uh, so it was neat. And we were like, oh, this is so exciting. We didn't know this train went you know, to this location, but you're absolutely right. Like he was in charge. He felt independent. It was his choice. It was an adventure uh, and he loved it. And that's a, a Sunday we'll never forget. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I used to do that myself when I was a teenager, I remember. And uh, just to, to go to the end of the line and see what happens. And uh, another thing for someone in an apartment and uh, not connected with nature would be you can buy a set of small screwdrivers, uh, but the ones used in, in technical things, in, in technology things, and buy a very cheap uh, MP3 or any electronical device or just get one and say to your child, okay, this is for you to tear, tear apart. So you can understand how it works. Maybe you can find an old printer, an old PC, whatever. So you just open it up, rip it open, see what it does. You can add a book on it on how computers work or whatever it is you want. But that's another thing you can do on an apartment. And it's part of our everyday life. I was going to suggest even there's a, you know, the the, the machine, the, there's a little, we call it crimping machine. I don't know, machine that's a, it's a how do you call it? A, um, a, a, it's like a pair of scissors, the, the words excuse me, pliers. Is that how you pliers? Say it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pliers. Pliers to 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 create uh, an internet cable. You know that you need to peel the little cables and put the have you ever created an internet cable yourself? No. <laughs> okay, that's something I I have done. Now everything is wireless, so this is a little bit outdated. But there are things connected with the internet with computers that are done at home with electricity, for example, that uh with cables that you can do in an apartment. And they're a part of everyday life. And uh, so you can get your child, if we're talking about now 10, 11, 12 years old, uh, uh, all the elements to create a, a light bulb. Uh, well, you, the light bulb itself and the, the thing that where the light bulb is is put, I don't know how to call it. It's a portal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And cables and a little plug. So you can you know, see if it works and plug it. And, and uh, of course, everything's supervised. But there, these are things that are very useful in, in adult life, uh, just to be able to fix some very basic electricity things. And that you can, with supervision, let your kids uh, experiment with. And, yeah. uh, and well, so those are, I'm trying to think, but this is, we're trying to lay out some principles here for anyone who's looking for a toy and say, don't look at fantasy. Don't look at Disney. Don't look at Toys R Us proposals. Look at your life and try to think it in reverse and say that your basic everyday life is what your child is most interested in. Whatever you do, allow him to do it by himself. And that's your gift. And he will enjoy it as a gift. So that that yeah. would be the message. Yeah, these are great ideas. And I was just thinking, oh, I mean, like how excited would a child be to take apart something old and broken, some piece of technology, and see what its guts are, and then have the challenge of trying to put it all back together again, you know, so that so that it fits, and maybe it even turns on again. I mean, what do you learn in the process of that, you know, that this device that looks magical actually has parts and components that are critical to its functioning? So I think that's so cool. And and again, like you mentioned, you're using, you're recycling basically in that process and your child is probably going to spend a long time with that product. You won't have bought anything more, you know, or contributed to the, anything being thrown uh, away or produced when it doesn't have to be produced. Like there's so few things that we have mentioned in this list that are just extra pieces of plastic that are going to get thrown out or given away to someone else who's going to use them once or twice. Right. Most of these things um, are things that are going to stick around for a while or things that could easily be recycled or, like you mentioned, purchased from a garage sale or a resale. Yeah. So, well, I think we a, a good list for. Well, yeah, right? this is a great last minute list. If, and if this recording holds, it's going to be <laughs> some great ideas for uh, a lot of folks who are, are wondering what original thing last minute to give to their kids, maybe even including myself. You've oh, thrown great. some good ones in there, Axel. I appreciate it. Great. Well, so it's time to rub it up. It is. Do you have any dad jokes for us today? 
So I was just waiting for you to ask. <laughs> I haven't been able to express myself in this way for so so long. And, you know, maybe I don't know if we're going to be able to do one before Christmas, but I just wanted to you know, laugh. And so, you know, I woke up last night to find the ghost of Gloria Gaynor standing at the foot of my bed. At first, I was I was afraid, and I was petrified. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was the person. Now, thinking about Christmas, and, yes. you know, it's a where where a moment where family reunites and probably get together. You know what's the difference between in-laws and outlaws? Tell me. Outlaws are wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, one for the kids, right? For this is for son. I had a dream. The ocean was filled with orange soda. It was a fantasy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the kids don't even know what Fanta soda is, do they? These days, of course they do. What you don't have Fanta soda anymore over there? I think we do. I'm just not sure it's as popular or maybe I'm such a stickler for, for attempting to get my kids to eat more healthily, like that they don't see it as much. But I think like here they have sun-kissed orange oh soda. Maybe, so. American culture is just crippling. If you don't have Fanta anymore, then I don't know what, what's what. Well, there are probably going to be some listeners who are going to reach out to me, not with any concerns about the content that we had shared, but just because I have no idea that Fanta is very popular still in the United States. So I, I can't say that I'm an expert on the subject, but, but yeah, I, that was a good one. Thank you, Axel. Um, I, I, I loved all of those, uh, the second one, especially. So, well, uh, listeners, thank you so much for joining us this week. We hope that we were able to provide some last minute inspiration for your gift shopping needs. Uh, and we hope to see you, uh, either next week or, or in a couple of weeks. We're actually taking a trip to Florida and, and taking some uh, some nets with us. See if we oh. are able to catch any tropical fish. Upload some pictures so we can see what, what you're out. out oh, I will. I will. Okay. Don't... Well, bye-bye, everybody. Have a, a, a Merry Christmas if we don't talk before. Exactly. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.